Creativity is contagious. Pass it on in any way possible. Albert Einstein. Hi, creatives. Thank you for joining us on this new episode of season three of Brewing Up Creativity. I am your host, Daniela Bonte, and I am a full-time entrepreneur and the lead graphic designer of my Toronto graphic design studio, Danielle Labonte Designs. I'm on a mission to inspire creatives like yourself to pursue your creative dreams one podcast episode at a time. Whether you're new here or an avid listener, I'm incredibly happy you're here, and I'm really excited about today's all-new episode. Hey creatives, I'm chatting to you all solo today to discuss overcoming mistakes in business as a graphic designer. If you've landed here, you're probably a graphic designer or an aspiring designer or just starting out, maybe currently operating your own business or looking to expand beyond the corporate life. You could be in any position of life and perhaps you're even looking to work with a graphic designer or love the industry and in general want to learn more. As a graphic designer who runs a studio, I'm here to say mistakes are definitely made. We're human, but that's why we learn from them or listen to other people's mistakes on podcasts so we can avoid them. That's what I'm here to talk to you all about today. My mistakes or mistakes I've witnessed in the community over the last five years. As a self-employed or studio-owning graphic designer, you've initially signed up for flexible hours. Maybe, or better pay, or even just an excuse to drink more coffee than you need to either at the comfort of your own home, a cafe, or your own physical location. And I'm here for all of those. But what you didn't sign up for is to crash and burn. And I feel like any entrepreneur can relate to that. But yet here I am talking about the mistakes I've gone through or talked about with others. And how did it come to this? Wasn't it supposed to be easier? That's what everyone told me. Okay, correction. I think Pinterest told me that, and the industry is often quite glamorized. Designers, mistakes are going to happen in your nine-to-five job or in your business, even if you're your own boss. You still have to provide the highest quality of service and still have boundaries. It's hard to find a great balance. No matter how you wound up in your wonderful world of becoming a graphic designer and operating your own business or side hustle, There are common mistakes many of us make. So in this episode, I'm going to walk through some of them and maybe tell you a funny story or two to give you some best practices for your own professional journey. Let's start off with something I hate talking about, but it's so important to talk about. Now, when I was writing out a general list of what I wanted to touch base on today, and because I, let's be real, I've made a lot of mistakes and a lot of people make mistakes too. Um, But the number one mistake that I made sure to change in the most recent year of my business was to manage my finances on a more recurrent basis. So safe to say, mistake number one, it's not managing finances on a more recurrent basis. When I initially started my graphic design studio in Canada to paint a picture, because every country and even every state or province has different rules and regulations that you need to follow when you operate a business. But ultimately, when I started out, I had no idea what I was in for when it came to bookkeeping, finances in general, charging tax, um, determining rates, reasonable rates, sending out proposals, and the list goes on. I thought it would be okay when it came down to filing my income and taxes 
to leave it to three months before the due date and that it was all okay. Um, I was totally wrong. Now, the reason I had thought that was okay initially was because I saw a lot of people do that. And it makes sense. Some people can totally handle that stress. Some people can, you know, get all their finances in order three months before the due date. And some people tuning in will probably think that's totally reasonable. For myself and for anyone that's known me, and if you're new here, uh, yes, I operate a business, but I will say my strongest suit has never been math. So if I'm going to need to calculate and, I don't know, look through my finances and organize them in a better way, there's a lot of better ways to do it than saving it to three months beforehand. So here's my first story. In one of my first years of a successful full-time graphic designer or graphic design studio, I, first of all, didn't anticipate to make what I did. And so when I had saved it for three months too, I realized, oh man, I made a lot more than I expected. And I should have sat down on a monthly basis minimum to see what I was on track for. Because to those Canadian business owners listening in, if you're making over 30K in a year, you definitely need to start charging taxes. And I recommend getting your business registered pretty much almost as soon as you open your door. But for myself, yes, my business was registered and I felt great. And I had all the information ready to go. It didn't line up and it didn't go as planned. And that's usually how it goes. We expect things to go positively. And it doesn't always go that way, especially when you're a newbie and you don't expect to hit a specific number in a year. And uh, the amount of profit that you receive, because the more you make, the more you owe. So I saved it for three months before it was due, got it to my bookkeeper two months before it was done. And we were having ongoing conversations about how to include write-offs and deductions and, you know, all those fun topics. And ultimately, it just didn't go in my favor. I owed a lot more than I, than I thought I would and that I anticipated. And I found the whole process to be extremely confusing. And it, it is confusing if you're new to it, if you're unsure, and if you're like me and you just downright suck at math. So what I do now is I sit down once a month and calculate my earnings, my profitability, the taxes I charge my clients that I need to remit, organize my receipts and write-offs, and make sure that it's all in one platform or I plug it into an Excel sheet. So the best platform that I decided to utilize was QuickBooks, and it's probably something that you might have heard of. But essentially, I made sure to get everything organized into specific files and folders within that program. It's made it so much easier for myself, so I don't always need to whip up that calculator. QuickBooks kind of just does it for you. And I sat down with an advisor, a bank advisor, and I figured out the best way to sort out where to put my savings, where to put my earnings, how to divide it nicely so that you know what to do. And that's why talking to experts in other fields really helps you out because as a graphic designer and owning a graphic design business, you're not an expert in these things. There's other people that can help you out. But if you're looking to do it yourself, and first of all, I commend you. And second of all, I understand because obviously some, some fees can get hefty. But if you can sit down with a bank advisor and that's just included in the bank that you're currently at, definitely consider it. And any consultations at all, definitely, definitely consider getting on a call. It can just help you out tremendously. It's not worth the stress and tears. And let me tell you, I was emotional when I hit my first successful year in business full time. And I was so happy with myself. I was proud of myself. I never expected to do well in my first full-time year of business, and I did. But I was emotional 
because I was uh, too generous in financial situations with certain people in my life. And I was gifting people a lot of things and I was spending my money. And at the end of the day, I didn't put money aside for my taxes and I didn't put it aside for anything in relation to that. So I was super emotional. I was really unprepared. And again, it's a common mistake that I've seen. I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs about it. And it's not even just in the graphic design field. A lot of people are unprepared for one of their first few years in business because you don't know what to expect. I completely didn't know what to expect. But because of that mistake, I totally lived and learned. And my process is amazing. (laughs) Like totally not here to brag, but I love the way I organize my finances now. It makes so much more sense for me as a business owner. Everyone functions differently. Everyone likes to organize their stuff differently. Sometimes you just want to hand it off to a professional completely. And that's great too. There's so many different ways to manage it, but definitely consider looking into that first and foremost. And I just wanted to get that mistake out of the way because it definitely isn't as fun. Mistake number two, your contract just isn't specific enough or outlining what is right and wrong for your clientele. My very first contract was, it was all right, but it wasn't the best or enough to avoid troubles or potentially bargaining clients. What is a bargaining client? If you don't have specific clauses in your contract, they can hold you to a lot of different things because you didn't outline from the very beginning. So keep that in mind. It can be in relation to absolutely anything, but if you don't have it written down in fine print, you can be held to absolutely anything you can possibly imagine. Now, back to my initial contract, I and how I was working, like I said, It was all right. It had a really great, strong foundation. I actually purchased it directly through a lawyer who works with graphic designers. But I didn't consider it strictly the lawyer. Lawyers are great, but they don't always consider the process. They don't know the process of a graphic designer. And, you know, every every graphic designer works differently, right? I was often overworked and I bent over backwards to make a client happy. And it didn't help. I was also seriously underpaying myself when I initially started out. My contract, it didn't outline revisions. It barely touched on copyright. It definitely had information on it, but I needed to make it even more specific. It didn't outline when I needed feedback from my clients or how many meetings a client gets in their price of what they've paid for and so on and so forth. You get the idea. But trust me, if there's no fine print or a clause that you can fall back on, if things aren't working out or you're noticing the client isn't aware of, you'll wish you had one but we all live and learn from contractual mistakes. Now, my contracts outline everything you could possibly imagine to avoid any troubles so that you can always turn back and reflect to it in case, God forbid, anything happens. So what, what do I mean by that? For starters, and some of the points that I have in my contract reflect on exactly the deliverables my clients are receiving and the extent of them and what they include. What revisions look like? You know, I include two revisions in my process more times than not. It's usually the general way I work and process. And what does the first revision include? What does the second revision include? You'll notice if you're just starting out or even if you're currently in business, some people believe a revision is a whole new design when they don't realize you design that with so much intention and purpose and a whole new design is not a revision, it's a redesign. And you would need to quote them on that. So definitely outline what revisions mean. What about communication? Now, this is something no one talked to me about, but you can get ghosted. And it's so common to get ghosted. 
So I actually have to put a clause mentioning that a project will be put on pause and there's a pause C if I don't hear from my client in over two weeks. Now, this is a tricky one because some people will try to fight it. Sometimes people aren't reading the fine print, but you can reflect back and you can point it out. What about late fees if invoices aren't paid? There's so much to consider. So do some research. Yes, bring a contract off of a lawyer or sitting down with a lawyer is great, but also think about your process and how you work. Make sure you're covering all grounds and prepared for any situation at any time. That's what contracts are there for. Mistake number three, not registering or creating a business plan. Now, I won't say this is as intense, but it's definitely something to keep you on track with your goals and also to make sure that everything is alignment with, in regards to regulations within your country, your state or province, like I kind of mentioned, even with finances, business plans are great in a lot of different aspects and ways. And registering your business is really important. If you're starting out as a freelancer, you might not think about yourself as a business. I know I didn't. I just kind of looked at myself like a little side hustle. Even sometimes I called myself a little hobbyist, like some passion projects that I was working on for some people. I just wanted to build a portfolio. I didn't take myself as seriously in the very, very beginning. That's a common mistake. Whatever your position is, if you're, if you're freelancing, if, if you own a studio, if it is your side hustle, it's still a profession. It is a business. And as such, it needs to have a solid business plan in place. Be sure to look into what you should be registering your business as under your country's or province's business terms, especially if you need to start charging taxes on your services. You need to know how much you need to be making and actively, again, looking at your finances to see when you need to start charging those and when you need to register for, your, for a tax number. Once you start making a certain amount of income, I do think it's crucial to start making a plan for yourself especially if you start to see that it's growing tremendously over time in terms of like, let's discuss goals. If I'm making this now, what could I do to make even more this time next year or on a quarterly basis? Do you want more passive income or do you prefer actually working on client projects? What are your goals? How do you want to invest in your business? Is your computer a little slower dated? Do you need to get an external hard drive for your projects? I know how that all goes. I run out of space all the time. An external hard drive is so needed. I have about three and they're filled up and I often get terabytes and terabytes and I still fill them up. Upgrades on technology kind of falls into the same thing. If your computer's running slow, if you want to get that iPad Pro, if you want to get a tablet to plug into your computer to help design and it doesn't hurt your hand as much as using a cursor or a mouse. A lot of things to consider in the graphic design industry. I will say, arguably, we do not have the most expensive profession. I mean, I know product-based e or e-commerce businesses have to spend a lot on, on packaging and products and the labor of it all. And at the end of the day, we rely solely on technology. We're service-based providers. And the, the technology we use impacts the quality of the design work that we're providing to our clients and makes our lives so much easier. So if you're finding you're waiting on your computer to load, or perhaps it's not coming out as high quality as you had hoped, and it's not able to hold your Adobe Creative Cloud platforms or apps as well as it should, it is probably time to invest in some technology. You can look into some small business loans. You can go see if you apply at another bank, if they're willing to give something for small businesses. A lot of different places are willing to help out businesses, and why not look into it if you financially are not in 
a position to be able to buy some new technology to help advance your business. You have to sit down and look at those. These are all goals. These are all, these are looking into everything to see what will be aligned with you and where you're at and how you can make sure that you're growing. It doesn't even need to be exponentially. It doesn't need to be tremendous, but at least you're moving and progressing in a way that feels right and organic and fluid for you. Hey creatives, are you looking to bring your creative ideas to life and stand out but don't want to break the bank? It's easier than you think all things to creative market. Over the last seven years, I have been shopping on creative markets by next level fonts, stock photography, videography, mockups, and more to allow my portfolio and clients' businesses to stand out and be seen. Free fonts, photos, mockups, and more often make your work blend in, while Creative Market is a hub for custom-made beautiful designs that aren't overused. If you're looking to stand out and also support some crazy talented creatives, I recommend trying out Creative Market. Save up to 20% off products on Creative Market by purchasing through the link in our episode's show notes. Enjoy getting creative with unique items made by creatives just like yourself. Now let's get back to the episode. Mistake number four, choosing to work with anyone and everyone. When you are in the early stages of launching your business venture, you might find yourself struggling to reach the desired salary every month. This is a common business or freelance bump. And at the time, you really want to take on everything and anything. But this is something that experience can totally help fix. In this initial period, which to some might even feel like a bit of a limbo state, you can fall into another harmful temptation. That being agreeing to do pretty much any type of work that is even remotely relevant to your business. Now, of course, there are situations in which you might choose to take on a project or a client that you are not particularly in love with. However, try not to make this a habit. Most importantly, actively saying no to working on projects or with clients that you have absolutely no interest in or that might even go against your personal and professional values. I am still working on saying no. A lot of designers I know, and myself included, are people pleasers. We want to make everybody happy. And when we don't, it feels like a huge weight. We feel like we've let them down. We think, where did we go wrong? I've gotten on calls. I've sent out consultation questionnaires. What went wrong here? Sometimes it was just never a match. And you probably had a gut feeling when you got on that initial call telling you it's not something that I have expertise in or our communication style doesn't align. They're asking for something in a really short turnaround timeline and it's not, it doesn't align with what I'm booking right now. And sometimes you just push it and you think, I got this. And I'm here to tell you, it works out sometimes. It really does. Other times it doesn't. And it's hard to make that distinction and differentiation. And that's why I say I'm still working on saying no to projects. But what I do say no to all the time is if it doesn't fall into my expertise. And the way I handle that is I direct people in the right direction. Sometimes people don't understand what graphic designers do. There's a lot of different socializations and niches in our industry. If there's someone you know that could do an amazing job and you can partner up with them or something like that, that is a great and polite and professional way of declining a project. If it's for whatever reason that you feel that the communication style doesn't align or you feel like they don't have a good general understanding of how long a project might take, sometimes a really polite email 
saying on average, a project of this nature takes X amount of time. There's other people that might be booking for a project sooner or have or work around a faster timeline. I can forward some your way. There's different email templates, I like to almost call it in scripts that you can send out if you find a project isn't aligned. So you're not just saying no. I think there's a lot of nicer ways we can go about that. But if the project is out of scope and it's just not in your expertise, believe me, it's so not worth the reputation of your business and ultimately not wasting your time or the client's. I was very much a yes man in the beginning of my career to gain experience and build up my portfolio. I have no regrets, but I definitely found myself in situations where I felt burnt out, underappreciated, and again, underpaid. When I first started out, I was obviously offering beginner rates and a lot of people have incentive to saving money. And once they realize that your rate is so low, it, it is unfortunate, but I was mistreated in a lot of situations because I was still a student and I wanted to freelance and I wanted to build up my portfolio. And uh, with that being said, I did run into some situations where it wasn't ideal. And I was learning how to set boundaries and figure out what those boundaries meant for me and for my clients. Some companies are just unsure how to communicate what they're looking for or unsure what the rates are for a talented designer. That's where you do need to set that tone and boundaries in any project. I recommend looking into the average rates of what a designer with your amount of experience charges. I recommend reading books, doing uh, reading absolutely anything. The, I, I spent a few years actually reading a lot of different books, seeing what agencies charge versus a freelancer versus someone who was a side hustle. It, it, I was just trying to learn everything and anything to make sure I had some boundaries set up and I understood what I had to offer and how I could offer myself in the best way possible. And whether you're saying yes or no, it's just important to identify what projects you know you have time and expertise to take on. So always look at your project schedule too. Mistake number five, managing your time incorrectly. If you want to treat yourself like a business, you need to manage your time like a business. It's easy to fall into a trap of procrastination in the design world because when I talk to some colleagues and others in the industry, I often hear, the anticipation and quick deadline helps with my energy, productivity, and creativity. I personally, in the way I work, have to politely disagree. I feel like when I hear that, the designer is designing out of adrenaline and it's not passion. Where is the inspiration even coming from when you're saving it to the last second? You're not getting that thorough time to do research, put yourself out there in the world, where can you look at their competitors? Where are they? Like what like in that sense you're you're rushing and I don't I don't see the creativity and energy. I see adrenaline rush. For this, you'll probably miss that deadline too. Who knows? You've proposed to your client that if it doesn't even work out, you are relying on luck in my opinion when it comes to procrastination. Now we've all been there. We've all procrastinated. I don't know a single person that hasn't procrastinated at least once in their lives. But you are pushing your luck. And I don't recommend relying on it to get a beautiful design out to your clients. Consider this. Your time equals money. So make sure you don't waste your precious time by doing any of the following mistakes. Avoid arranging and conducting long calls with potential clients that you haven't vetted before. Ask questions and make sure they fill out inquiry forms. 
keep your initial discovery calls to a minimum. I would say about 30 minutes minutes max. I have set a timer on my calls so I get notified if a call is hitting near the end of the 30 minutes. How about always agreeing to project deadlines that are too strict or unrealistic for you? You know how you work. And if you're unsure, I recommend giving yourself a little more extra time to make sure that you're getting it out perfectly and to a high standard. How about not setting your work hours or other boundaries for your clients to be aware of? Make sure you have working hours on your website or an email signature or on your social media. Whichever way people are finding you or you're communicating with them, make sure it's clear and it's highlighted. I actually send out a welcome package to all of my clients when we first start out and it highlights our operational hours. So that's pretty much when we're working, Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 p.m. That is exactly when you can expect emails back from us. We won't be coordinating meetings outside of those hours unless you know it's absolutely necessary. And uh, you'll be getting emails and responses sent out to you between 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. Make sure to highlight those. Those are some just general boundaries that you can set for yourself so that your clients are aware and you allow yourself to, I don't know, have some personal time. You're not always in work mode. You're not always checking your emails, apps, and your clients realize that they don't always have the capacity to get a hold of you 24-7. You are a human and you totally deserve to take time off. How about taking on too much work for the number of hours that you have available or refusing to take any breaks because you feel like your workload or deadlines won't allow you to stop? Again, been there, done that. Lastly, what if you're accepting to work on a project that will take you a long time to complete and that doesn't pay you adequately? So many things to consider in this factor of managing your time incorrectly versus correctly. Let's talk about our last mistake. You need to invest in your own marketing as well. I've watched other potential graphic design entrepreneurs make this mistake. It's super common. Yes, you totally need to make time for your own marketing. Otherwise, you're missing out on potential clients and projects. This needs to be a high priority and you just need to make time for it. I see so much graphic designers doing such an amazing job on other people's visuals and uh, even like some social media help or how they're going to help design someone's website for their, for their client's marketing and they forget about their own. It is common that we do this and I watch it a lot because we lack time for ourselves when we make so much time for our clients because like I said, time equals money, but just be sure to set out some time every day to handle and plan out your marketing. If not, devote a day once a month to plan out some social media content, email marketing, website updates, the list goes on. Everybody works differently. I set out time once a month to determine my email marketing for the month, my content for social media, but I do spend half an hour daily on you know platforms that have a lot of engagement and reach, about half an hour just devoting to messaging people, commenting back, engaging with other people's amazing content to let people know that this is a community. And I'm so happy to be a part of it. So there is some effort and work to put into when it comes to your marketing. So there's so many touch points when it comes to that. But not only will this put you in front of the right audience, but it will also equip you with the skills and resources you need to feel more confident at marketing and get better at it. You must start taking care of your marketing right away instead of waiting months or pushing this task to the bottom of your to-do list. With time and consistency, more and more people will start seeing your content and approach you with requests for collaboration or for future projects. Don't forget to do some research on what will make you stand out against the trends and competitors in your niche too. Marketing is a quickly changing world. 
tactics and trends change almost daily sometimes. And that is something that you need to equate in the time spent devoted to your marketing. What will allow you to work something unique out that will allow you just to stand out a little bit more? Just remember to invest in yourself. So here we are. It's the end of the podcast episode. And I want to wrap up by saying there are literally just a few mistakes that I've made or witnessed. I'm all for lasting and learning. It's how I've streamlined the best possible process in my work and for my clients. We all grow and reach our own version of success in our own ways. The mistakes mentioned are normal and common. Thank you for tuning in to discuss the graphic design world. I love talking about this industry. It's a huge part of myself and where ultimately my creativity stems from on a daily basis. See you in the next episode, creatives. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. We're always bringing up something new for all of you to tune into and love hearing from you. Our team over here on Brewing Up Creativity would love it if you joined our community in any capacity, whether it be checking us out on Instagram at Bring Up Creativity or leaving a review to help us better serve you as listeners. If you're looking to join or sponsor an episode, reach out to us through email, which is linked in our episode's show notes below. Thanks, creatives.